Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is the news and talk station of New York with Greg Kelly. Real, real New York 77 WABC. Hi. Good to be at work. Good to be at work. Especially when my mother in law and my father in law are living with us. Uh, actually, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. Thank God they're there. We've got two kids now, very young, and uh, a father-in-law just arrived from Australia. They can't exactly drop in, you know what I mean? So uh, this has been a long time coming. Uh, We're glad. It's pretty fun, actually. All under one roof. It's like, uh, was there a sitcom? When did they have the in-laws living there? It's not the, I guess the honeymooners, um, oh, Ralph hated his mother-in-law. Remember that? You are a blabbermouth. That is possibly... That is possibly a perfect hour of comedy. Actually, what, 23 minutes. Perfect. Perfect. And how the clock went on at exactly the right time? You are a blabbermouth. <laughs> blabbermouth. You. Blabbermouth. Anyway, that used to be a big thing. Ongoing feuds between uh, uh, sons-in-laws and mother and mothers-in-law and... I, I, it was like a big fixture of the 50s. Not anymore. And I'm just so glad they're there. Seriously, it's uh, it's great. Welcome to America, Dr. Menaham. That's my uh, father-in-law. Uh, man, imagine flying all the way from Australia. I flew to Australia once. It took me like six days. No kidding. I was like island hopping. Uh, flew across the country. Then flew to Hawaii. Then we flew to Guam. Then we flew to New Zealand. Then we flew to back to Guam. And we, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, there's a little thing that you may not know. If you're in the military, it's actually a great, great feature. If you're in the military, no matter what your job is, you could be um, a cook uh, at Fort Dix, okay? But when you are off duty, let's say you put in for some leave, some vacation, you can get a little permission slip from your commanding officer, and you can fly anywhere in the world for free on a military aircraft. I'm like, the moment I found out about this, I put in for leave as max as I could get, 30 days, and I went to Japan. Okay, uh, As soon as I could uh, save up enough vacation time, I put in for some leave, 30 days, and I went to Australia. <laughs> For a vacation, it was awesome. It did was a pain. You can't exactly fly direct all the time, and sometimes you're, you know, flying basically in a you know, you know cargo ship, and uh, you're sleeping on a net. It's actually kind of fun, but it's 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 also uh, well, it's not business class. So it's one of the many reasons why I'm so glad I joined the military. I really am. I had such a great time. And if you are, if you know somebody of military age, don't try to talk them into it. Or her into it, but I hope they consider it. Nobody should be talked into that, but it's a uh, 
gosh, the things you get to do in the military. I talked to my dad about this the other night. He says, and I agree with him in my life, I have the same feeling. The best decision he ever made was joining the Marine Corps. And I would say, at least professionally, of course, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we married the white woman and all that stuff, and you know, <laughs> which we did. But this is about, you know, work and man stuff. And uh, anyway, that was great. So, uh, all right, it's January 7th. Oh, goodness gracious. Made, out, made it through January 6th. But this is the day, I actually, I remember. This is more important than January 6th, at least as far as I recall things. Did I tell you guys this? I woke up on the morning of January 7th, and I was so kind of like, well, was I shocked? I mean, I was interested in what happened on Capitol Hill. At this point, we knew that Joe Biden was going to be the president. Quite frankly, I was bummed because there was this legal constitutional vehicle where the whole election could have been re-explored and evaluated and could have made sure it was fair. And if it wasn't, maybe the state capitals could have been brought back into the mix. None of that happened in part, I think, because of the violence. And that's why I'm very suspect of the violence. Who actually provoked it? We don't know yet. There's so much we don't know about that day. Anyway, I woke up the next morning. I wanted to see everything that had gone on, turn on the TV. I'm watching the Today Show, and it's Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Catby um, talking about themselves and you know their memories of the Capitol. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. When are they going to talk about the young woman who was killed? Uh, okay. And then I, w- I waited, I waited, I waited. Then finally, Debbie Dingle shows up. She's a congresswoman from Michigan. She's like, you know, and just think, everybody, you know, just a few feet from me, a woman was shot and killed. Didn't say her name. And they were like, oh, well, yeah, I know. We heard about that. Yeah, well. Mm. And then they moved right along to insurrection talk and those damn Trump supporters. I just can't believe it. Still can't believe it. You could watch all the network news last night. Lester Holt, not one word about the unarmed white woman, Trump supporter, working class. And that's why they don't care about her, because she's all those things. She's white. She's working class. She's pro-Trump. That's about as <laughs> – the fake news wants nothing to do with – you're everything, Ashley Babbitt. May you rest in peace. Everything that they despise, okay? Even about themselves. Even about the – it's very strange what's happening here. But um, you got people beating them up, beating themselves up in newsrooms that they are not uh, from an afflicted group, so-called afflicted group. I'll never forget – I think it was um, – what movie was that? Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Who remembers Forrest had that girlfriend in Alabama, Rainbow, Alabama, right? And he really liked her or something. Anyway, she goes off and lives her life. He lives his life. And um, they meet up in Los Angeles. It's in the 60s. And uh, she's all strung out in drugs and doing crazy stuff. And she's very anti-war. And Forrest just fought in the war. And he's in uniform and he looks like a geek, or at least that's how they're portraying him. Anyway, uh, his girlfriend or the girl he liked has another guy, a hippie, and he hits her. He hits her. And um, Forrest beats him up and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes crazy. And the guy says, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I never should have done that to you. It's just that son of a bitch Johnson in the White House. (laughs) Just like, yeah, it's his fault. It's his fault. Right around the same time, this is kind of this is kind of out there, but who remembers Patty Hearst? 
Patty Hearst uh, was the rich heiress, I guess, of the Hearst family fortune. In 1974, she is living with her boyfriend, some math teacher in San Francisco, and in comes in. They bust through the door. The Symbionese Liberation Army, the SLA, sounds like a big deal, but it was like seven freaks, and they kidnap her, and she... Uh, they, they they hold her in captivity. I don't know if they tortured her. They did some funky stuff to her. But sooner or later, she, like, joined the SLA. She became one of them and helped them rob banks and stuff like that. It's a wild, wild story. And um, they had a lot of TV movies about it. There have been books about it. It's always fascinated me. Anyway, one of the TV movies, I saw this, uh, one of the members of the SLA and he's a uh, white guy, and he's, he's he's frustrated. He says, "Damn it! I wish I was black." <laughs> he's just a, he wanted to be. There, there's a lot of that going on in the New York Times newsrooms right now. All right, it, that's that's the thing to be right now. That school, Caucasian ain't so cool. This is for the woke crowd. This is not for normal people. All right, normal people don't look at each other this way. But those who provide our uh, content, media, even Netflix, all this stuff, they've gone over the board. And that is white woman, not much. Black transsexual, oh boy, don't get much more influential than that. So, um, all right. Do I want to review the uh, – oh, oh, so my big epiphany yesterday, January 6th. I'm done talking about January 6th. Uh, I finally kind of figured it out. January 6th is a great big distraction from what I should have been focused on. Granted, I was looking at it, but not that closely because, well, got to look forward, can't look back. The election, November 3rd, 2020. I got so carried away in debunking all of the myths about January 6th. You know, the cop was here. He wasn't there. They, uh, they, they, all, all this stuff. Just, oh, look at this person. Uh, this, was in, this was an incitement. This was incitement. All, all that stuff. The, the tactics, the nitty-gritty details of January 6th. And I took my eye off the bull. Because the real thing that's important is the election that they stole. I do believe that. Now, I cannot prove it. Granted, I cannot prove it. That is my hunch. That is my serious hunch. Now, Pennsylvania, that's the case I know the best. And the constitutionality of it and what they did with the state constitution and how they didn't amend it it, and how they let just about everybody vote no matter what their excuse was, that's a problem. So, all right, this is my hunch. And I just said something. And now there are some people out there who think they should call the police right now. Oh, my God, he said the election was stolen. Yeah, get over it. It's just my opinion. I'm not saying anybody should grab a torch and burn a building. No, that was a Black Lives Matter crew last summer. Remember? Yeah, you guys. So I'm not saying no violence whatsoever. And Joe Biden, yeah, he pulled it off. Sometimes a bank robber gets away with it. He's the president. Okay, there. But I want to know what happened. And you should, too. And we shouldn't be penalized or persecuted or kicked off social media or threatened with cancellation for talking about ideas. You may not like them. You may disagree. You may think, how dare you? But don't give me this crap. 
that talking about things, talking about ideas, talking about points of view that you may disagree with somehow put the republic at risk. That is nonsense. Actually, you saying and you trying to say and you implying that those ideas are too risky to even speak out loud, that 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 is the real danger. January 6th wasn't the threat to democracy. It was the overreaction to January 6th and the state persecuting not only people, but ideas. I'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Hey, I guess I'm supposed to talk about the snow. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even know it was coming, to be honest. I was so caught up in... uh, January 6th yesterday. I, 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 uh, what do we do about it? I see, oh, snow cleanup is underway. I'm going to look out the window. It looks totally fine. There's a little bit of snow on trees and a little bit on the sidewalk. Is it a big, is it a big deal? Not really, right? Uh, what about Connecticut? It's a big deal up there, probably. Uh, Washington, D.C. I think there are still people on that I-95 outside of D.C. Jeez, I used to live there. It is true. Everybody knows this. They totally overreact. They're not at all equipped to handle it. Oh, that reminds me, I guess um, Eric Adams is going to try to claim credit for this. Uh, Oh, yes, my first emergency or whatever. I saw a picture of him sliding down a pole at the, what the hell is it, at some firehouse. Like he's a child sliding down the damn, what is it, his birthday? He's nine years old? You're the mayor. Get to work. He just thinks... uh, He's going to get away with uh, just being cool and eating vegan, and you know that—that's all this job takes. No, it's a—it's a lot tougher, a lot tougher. Um, now I'm actually happy though. I'm happy about a couple of things. I told you I was going to give him a break, and then he did some things that I'm sorry. I was just so blown away with and disappointed by, and I just had to say no, no, no. Maybe I'm going to declare yet another truce. He's done a couple of things. I like some of his appointments so far. I didn't like how he. Didn't take the cops with him on his first day at work. You know, oh, I got this. Yeah, you know, big virtue signal for the New York One cameras. I'm not taking a police detail. Somebody gets robbed a half block away from him. What does he do? What can he do? Nothing. He called 911 like a regular schnook. All right? Like, that's what I do. If I see something, I call 911. I mean, damn, some, you wish you could do more. You know, if only I were a cop. Oh, my goodness, if I were only the mayor. He had to call 911 because he didn't have any cops with him because his first law enforcement decision was a stupid one. That was on New Year's Day. Anyway, so he's the mayor. He made, uh, what's his name again? Brendan McGuire is one of his top aides. He's a very sharp guy, happens to be the son of former police commissioner under Ed Koch, Bob McGuire. And uh, law enforcement's in his blood. I think he's going to be great. And also, this just happened this morning, and I think this is a very good uh, step in the right direction. Philip Banks, former chief of the department, New York City Police Department, will be deputy mayor for public safety. Good for him. Good for Mayor Adams for making this pick, and good for chief, uh, the chief for taking the job. I like this. So I think he's technically going to be the boss of the police commissioner. Phil Banks, uh, career NYPD official, he uh, he left. I think he had an argument with uh, Bratton, and uh, he's a guy who's easy to argue with. So uh, he left for a couple of years, and I'm glad he's back. I like him a lot. 
Um, I probably shouldn't let too many people know that. I don't. I don't want him to get in trouble with the mayor. <laughs> okay, but uh, uh, if he. Uh, but let's, good luck. Good luck. We want to come back. We really. Whew, and Alvin Bragg, here's something that would also be great as well. We've got this nut job district attorney. You know about Alvin. There is a way to recall Alvin. Alvin doesn't think that um, resisting arrest should be a crime anymore. He thinks that armed robbery, as long as nobody gets shot, uh, should not necessarily result in uh, significant prison time, maybe even no prison time. You downgrade it to petty larceny. And that's like a low-level misdemeanor offense. Armed robbery! So this guy's got to go. And there's one way to do it. It's up to the governor. Now, Kathy Hochul is running for election, not re-election. And one thing that she's doing, she wants to be as down and as hip and as woke as they come. And I don't think she's going to take on Alvin Bragg. But, but if a delegation of very important, uh, influential uh, and diverse figures were to go to the governor and people people like Eric Adams, people like uh, Jamani Williams, people like uh, who else is big in this town anymore? We really don't have many. Like who who are the leaders in, in town? John Katsimatidis, quite frankly, the owner of this radio station. This is one of the guys who makes the world go round. And I know John loves this city, loves his state, loves his country. If those guys were to get together. And I know John would be up for it in a moment. Um, although I haven't talked to him about this. So I, I, I think if they went to the governor and said, you got to do this. And she, number one, it would give her an excuse. Number two, it would give her some political cover. And number three, it would make us all a lot safer. Unless Alvin Bragg uh, suddenly becomes a sane person and gets rid of all those crazy day one ideas that he actually put in writing in a memo. Uh, this could turn out good. All right, I got to take a quick break. Your calls when I come back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. You know, right now, uh, Kamala Harris should be like on, uh, should be like Death Watch. You know, her political career should be over. She should be. Everybody, the whole world should be clamoring for her resignation, but that's not the world we live in. She made that disgusting comparison, huh? Uh, January 6th, right up there, on par in severity and historical importance with Pearl Harbor in September 11, 2001. Do we have that? She said it out freaking loud. And like they just reported on the news. Yes, she said this. And battle I'm moving on. Go ahead. Certain dates echo throughout history including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. Wow. This is all they got. This is all they got. They screwed up everything else. So they're all at... Hate Trump. Hate him as much as possible. And you know what? Joe really does hate him. We got anything really – is it necessary? Do we need to hear from this man anymore? He screwed up Afghanistan. He screwed up Build Back Better. He's got nothing. Now it's all going to be – the Republicans want to uh, keep you from voting. And January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened. They want to stigmatize Trump so much that he'll be toxic and no one will want to touch him. He's going to spook all those soccer moms out there. 
don't believe the hype, all right? And it is hype. You know it. I know it. We can all see it. It's so obvious. Obvious. All right. Uh, wait a second. Speaking of important dates in history, Anna is on the phone from Hicksville. How close are you to the big Sears? And is Sears still there? We used to go to Hicksville to go to the Sears. Hi. What do you think? Hello. No. They went out of business, right? You know the one I'm talking about? There's a lot of Indians living over there, yeah. What do you mean, Indians? Yeah, it's on Broadway, 107. What do you mean? it became more of an Indian area. You know, Indian people. It's more of an Indian area right now. What is? So I believe that the culture changes businesses a little bit, No. I don't know if the Indians have anything to do with uh, Sears going out of business, but uh, okay. What's on your mind, Anna? They live a different lifestyle. That's all I'm saying. And you know, what Sears are you talking about? Many years. They don't. Hey, my favorite character, my favorite character like on The Simpsons is uh, Pooh. <laughs> it is, by the way. But Although right. there's a whole controversy about him because I think they did they remove him because. I think they did. Anyway, I really love that uh, Pooh and his wife Manjula. Uh, all right, so what's up? What's up? I want to stop talking. Yeah, let's stop. Let's 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 stop. <laughs> okay, three one fifty four. Do you know what that is? March first, nineteen fifty four. It was. Let me think. Yeah, the first. Nobody it was the, ever brings it up. It was the first. Well, number one, it's January seventh. Though I, you know, you're a little bit ahead of the curve here. Yeah, but it's all about January sixth because. So what happened Puerto in the, what? Oh yeah, no. I t- is that the, the day that Puerto Rican yeah. nationalist that shot by shot members by of Congress in a chamber? I talked about it last night. An insurrection. Hey, Anna. Oh, they Anna, did. Anna, missed- Anna, Anna, shh. I talked okay. about it last night. I have talked oh, about good. that. Every, I, I, yes, I even have a. I even have. You know where we shot him from? From the gallery. There were two gunmen, I believe. Shot five congressmen. Four. Five congressmen were shot, and um, yeah. So I. Yeah, the the date escapes me. I usually say, you know what I say? Instead of March 1st, 1954, I said back in the 50s. <laughs> okay, that's I leave it at that. Back in the 50s. And you know, in 1998. I mean, if you talk about insurrections, that's more than anything that ever happened on January 6th. You're damn right. Joke. Yeah, you're damn right. And by the way, gosh, they all say it. It's like muscle memory. Terry Moran, who's a major fake news guy on ABC News, used to be. Used to be normal. I think Trump derangement syndrome kicked in, and I think he wants to be woke and, quite frankly, is an older white male. He's about as expendable as they come these days. So he did a report last night about January 6th, and it was the worst day in Capitol Hill police history. And I'm like, wait, how can they? We all have information. You can find it in a half a second. Two cops were killed in 1998, shot Dead by a madman with a gun inside the Capitol. Two cops. I wish I knew their names. One was a black guy. One was a white guy. It's amazing. It's just incredible. They think we can't get this stuff for ourselves. Terry Moran thinks because he's tall and he's got good hair and that these guys, they're still so full of themselves. All right. Anyway, uh, Anna, final word. What else you got? I just want to say the people that I work with. Hey! Hey! You don't watch my da- hey shush shush. Da- you don't watch my you don't watch the Newsmax show, do you? I do all the time. Well, you didn't watch it last night. I showed that graphic with the guy, sh- uh, the guy from Puerto Rico shooting everybody. Oh, good. <laughs> or, oh, good. You know, I can't watch <laughs> good everything, news. but I kind of watch Salcedo when I get home in the afternoon. Now, first things first. Sean Spicer, and I go to bed. <laughs>
Okay, you watch Spicer and Salcedo, and you. Uh, all right, well, you. Uh, yeah. All right, yeah. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for calling. Good luck. Enjoy those programs. No, thanks, Anna. See you later. Uh, nice call. All right, what do I have to do now? It's time. Um, uh, I'm not too rude to the callers, am I? Nah. That wasn't rude. That was fine. All right, I'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Hey, remember Mark Spitz? Mark Spitz, the swimmer? He got like before. Uh... Anyway, Mark Spitz, champion swimmer. I just saw him on a commercial for like uh, eye, eyeball uh, eyeball stuff. Uh, good for him. Mark Spitz. That was a. Uh... Who's the new swimmer that everybody's crazy? Mark Phelps. Hey, Mark Phelps, Mark Spitz. Hmm. Um, but whatever happened to Michael Phelps, by the way? No, it's not Mark. It's Michael. Michael Phelps. Whatever happened to that guy? He's gone. Hey, Sidney Poitier died at the age of 94. What do we have to say about that? Seemed like a very interesting man. I never met him, of course. Uh, of course. I just, no, never did. I heard that. Well, what do we know? Um, there were a couple of great movies, um, To Sir With Love. I was also in a movie that was actually underrated and overlooked called Sneakers with Robert Redford. I enjoyed that. Uh, was it The Man Who Came to Dinner? You know, back then, wow, a black guy walks in the room and everybody lost their minds. We've come a long way. I think he was from the Bahamas. Oh, and I know what was interesting. And uh, Jamie Foxx has told this story. So Jamie Foxx, who's an incredibly talented individual, you know the guy, the comedian, actor, musician, there's nothing this guy can't do. It's very, he is an intimidating guy to be around actually for me. Him, Tony Robbins, a couple of these guys, he's off the charts talented and, you know, he's funny as hell and then he's a super great actor. He's on a roll. I think he was on the verge of winning an Oscar for a Ray, but guess what? He was on a roll, and he was tearing it up, you know, having a good old time, enjoying himself. Women are throwing themselves at him, and he's taking a, he's, you know, enjoying every step of the way. And they had a little bit of an intervention. They kind of sat him down. And I believe it was primarily people of color because he had, you know, not that he sought it, but suddenly he was a black leader. And they said, look, you gotta, you got to think long term here. you got to pace yourself. And in walks Sidney Poitier to warn him about the downfalls of sudden fame. Or I, I, Oprah, I think, was involved. Pretty cool. And and Jamie Foxx actually did a great Sidney Poitier uh, uh, impression. He's also a great golfer. So anyway, that's all I got to say about Sidney Poitier. Um, interesting guy. Uh, I do will say this. I miss going to the movies. No one goes to the movies anymore. You feel like a chump now. It's on your computer at the same time. They they put it out in the movie theater. I was going home the other day and I saw Being the Ricardos. Hmm, maybe I should see that. I, I would I would go see that movie. The you know behind the scenes about I Love Lucy. I would see that movie and I get and I it was on my phone. It, like I was it was on my phone. As I got home, I could just press this button and watch it. And I watched it at home. It's pretty flat and slow, by the way, but it had its moments. Um, all right. So a couple of things here. I am not going to talk about January 6th. I already told you about that. What am I going to be talking about the election? Uh, not all at once because I need to know more about the election. I don't have the technical uh, expertise to evaluate the voting in Antrim County. 
I do understand the constitutional issues in Pennsylvania, but that's what the swamp is banking on, okay? Look, Trump had had two things going for him in 2016. He had himself, his talents, and his ability to get through to the people. So when he lost, and I put that in quotes in 2020, because there's a big question mark over so much that happened, who was going to come to his aid? Well, the people, but what the hell can the people do? Seriously. I mean, what, what we, we love the guy, but we all have jobs. You know, I mean, what can we do? Um, the swamp and the media were totally against him. So in that moment, do you think that they were going to go out of their way to help Trump? No freaking way. The swamp, they had never, they were trying to trip him up every step of the way. You know, they talk about a coup. There were a thousand coups against Donald Trump, big and small. You ever work for the federal government? They've got about 10,000 manuals and rule books saying what you can't do and describing what you can do and how you can do it. It's like what I'm saying is there are a million ways to break the rules or to find yourself. It's like a corrupt cop who follows a guy in town just waiting for him to do something wrong, just trying to find a reason to pull somebody over. Now, picture the guy driving the car is Trump, <laughs> and the corrupt cop is the swamp. I'm going to get him doing something, and even if we don't get him, we'll make something up. That's what happened. That's what happened with Russia. That's what happened with the phony Ukraine phone call, and and also January 6th. The problem for the swamp was nobody really could understand Russia. Nobody really could understand um, the Ukraine phone call. People understood, though, in their heart of hearts, it wasn't a big deal, but the swamp thinks that this riot thing, if they talk about it in such dire terms that people will be scared off of Trump. How can we elect a monster like that who incited a riot? Oh, my. We can't do that. He's a crazy person. Um, that's why that's why they're talking about it so much. It is a lie. It's clearly a lie. It's just so in your face a lie. They think we can't get access to this information ourselves. The classic fake news lie. Swamp lie about Trump is that he said there were fine people on both sides. Yeah, those neo-Nazis and skinheads, they're fine people. He did not say that. He said the absolute opposite. It's incredible. You know, Joe Biden had the nerve to invoke God a couple of times yesterday. And he even said it with anger in his voice. I don't have, I don't, I don't think we have that exact clip, but listen to how angry he is. Let me think here. Let me see. Uh, let's go with cut 27. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Jeez. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. Wrong. <laughs> He's getting very aggressive and very defensive and very weird, very angry. He's angry for so many reasons. He's not, look, this is not how he saw himself being president. A weak person like this in the, dec in the decline that he obviously is in. He ran for president for the first time when he was 44 years old. That's how, that's how full of himself he is. Joe Biden, 44-year-old Joe Biden could be your president and my president. He actually ran. So uh, 
yeah, the anger is uh, very strange. Uh, and where does it come from? Oh, one of the things is lack of love. Jill loves him. Hunter loves him. His dog hates him. The only thing that Jill, that Joe has got going for him, what does he have going for him? Nothing. He's not much of a legislator. He's not a leader. Everybody sees it now. He's naked in a way. Lost Afghanistan. Lost Build Back Better. How's he going to uh, – where does he go from here? Beat up on Trump. Just keep beating up, beating him up. Try that. But it ain't working. Uh, all right. Ooh, only 40 seconds left. All right. Why do we have pizza today? Seriously, why do we have pizza? Let me know. Why is there pizza down there? It's, it's on the house from John, uh, Chad, and Emily. Gosh, these guys are great people, huh? Very nice. Very you nice. Know, I, and the pizza's great. Uh, well, I <laughs> – uh, where did they come from? Hey, oh, by the way, here's how we eat pizza these days because I am losing weight. Um, I only eat the cheese, believe it or not. I don't eat the bread. And you can do that. There's no right way or wrong way to eat a pizza. Yes, I would like to eat the whole thing, but I'd also like to be awake for the next eight hours. It's gonna, It would be me right to sleep. All right, I am going to get another piece of pizza. Just the cheese. Be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Hey, what date is Monday? Monday is the uh, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. That's when the OSHA vaccine mandate is supposed to go into effect. Um, If you work for a company that has 100 or more employees, you must either be vaccinated or get tested uh, once a week. And uh, this is enforced by OSHA. Now, the problem is, other than the obvious, it's completely unconstitutional and against the law. and they heard arguments in the Supreme Court about that. And I think our side, the right side, is going to win. Um, I don't. They're, they're, I guess this is like they got to they got to decide real quick here. SCOTUS hears arguments. SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, hears arguments on the Biden vaccine mandates. All right, OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. I mean, it's just a government office. Where do they get off? Basically. Um, making very intimate decisions about your health, putting something in your body. OSHA does that? No, it doesn't. And that's what they're arguing about today. And I think our side's going to win. I was listening to it a little bit. We have any audio of that? Do we have any other arguments? It's uh, You can't watch it on TV, but you can listen to it on the radio. Often when you listen to the um, Supreme Court, you know, you think you understand the issue, and then right away they're talking a totally different language. It's like, what the hell are they talking about? It gets very arcane, very uh, esoteric. But uh, I was able to follow this one better than most. And one person, actually, who made it very easy to follow her was uh, Justice Kagan, Elena Kagan. She came off like a crazy fourth-grade teacher, upset, you know, just demanding kids wear masks and get vaccinated. She was just... Not at all lawyerly, didn't sound at all like a judge, just sounded like some, uh, you know, sounded like uh, a caller on the show. And I love it. It sounded like me. I don't know. I can't argue a case before the Supreme Court. Just sounded like a person. And that's not how they're supposed to sound. When they start getting emotional, that means they're losing. And um, so it'll be interesting. I think we're going to get a uh, anybody know. We have any lawyers around here? Any friends of a lawyer? Yeah, actually, let's go ahead and get that guy, the one we like. Go ahead and get him on the phone, and uh, let's see what he knows about all this stuff. Because I don't want this uh, 
I don't want this OSHA vaccine mandate to go ahead. Remember, this is the one that Joe Biden said, our patience is wearing thin. Who the hell do you think you are? Your patience is wearing thin. Just stick to what the Constitution says you can do, tough guy. It really isn't. <laughs> it's so much fun. It really is. Uh, All right, real quick while I kill time here. Andrew is standing by. Hi. How you doing, Greg? Good. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, an Arizona the Arizona audit. You know, there's like double ballot count thing that was going on. It's almost like it, it actually disturbs me. Everything that went on about this the previous election, and I, you know, I don't know what to do. It's it's very disheartening. Yeah. So what else is going on? No, I'm not just working. All right. What I'm do you do? Show every night. I'm a big fan here. I'm a pipe fitter, fire sprinkler. Oh my God! Fire. Okay, so do me a favor. Explain how that works. I was looking at one in my uh, in my apartment, and mm-hmm. you know, I've I've seen them in department stores. Now I've got one in my apartment. I've never actually seen them in in operation. Thank God. Never been in a fire. Although once as a kid, but it was not that big, and we didn't have a sprinkler system. Anyway, oh. how does that thing actually start spraying? Like, how does it know, and what happens? Oh. There's a glass bulb, and the temperatures range anywhere from 160 to 500 degrees, depending on the type of head and where the head is put, what type of place. So once that head reaches 160 degrees, most residential heads, that glass pops and the water comes out, and that's how that works. How much water? Does it, like, would it totally destroy the furniture? I mean, to put the fire out, that's good. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Those heads can spray 15 feet around. Now, why is it that you like, you know, your smoke alarm goes off all the time, you know, by accident. Why is it that those things never go off accidentally? I guess because of the thing you just described, it would be very, very tough. They I've never heard of it. Do they have they? Uh, no, most of the time, no, they will not go off by themselves unless there's a defect with the head. But that is extremely rare. Now, how about this? One more thing. Like, how do you know they're going to work? Because, you know, years can go by many years and they're never utilized. Do they have to be inspected every so often or what? Um, they do yearly inspections, they do quarterly inspections, and uh, you can hold your heads up to 50 years. If, if after 50 years, you can send a couple of heads out, get tested. If they're still good, they'll allow you to keep those heads in. So you, after 50 years. You're, you and your, in your job, you've got heads from 1977, 1972. Heads by, I, that means the nozzle. You've got, they're that old. Yeah, I've had some of the 60s, some of them. That's pretty cool. That's pretty wild, man. How'd you get that job? Uh, my dad's actually a New York City firefighter, and uh, I was too scared to run into burning buildings, so I figured this is the next best thing I could do. Can I tell you my dream job? My dream job is a, is a TV show where I get to meet people like you and just find out about their jobs, because what you just said is fascinating. It's more interesting than I think anybody who's trying to sell a book or trying to tell you to watch their TV show. It, it's I just, very self-rewarding, I have to say. Very what? It's very self-rewarding, I have to say. It's very who? Yeah, you're you're protecting people. Yeah, yes, it's self-rewarding. Oh, it's self-rewarding. Protecting. Yeah. It's, All right. It's a really good job. All right. Like hey, it. one other thing. Um, yes. You got to take a ladder to go up to the ceiling, I guess, right? Ladder, lift, yeah. There's is it some? Uh, you ever pretty high spot? Yeah, pretty high spots. I mean, does it ever get tricky up there? And do you have to deal with OSHA? Yes. Yeah, I have uh, over seventy hours of uh, safety training. Sexual harassment training, drug and alcohol awareness, and 
Yeah, it's, it's a lot. They, they put you through a lot. OSHA puts you through sexual harassment training? Yes, they do, and diversity training. And all Who that. are you going to sexually harass as you're looking at the faucet? <laughs> they do. They There's do. nobody Every up there with you. All right, well, I guess you go to the department store a lot, right? Uh, yeah, we go. Yeah, and then they got pretty. All right. Well, good stuff, Andrew. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Arizona frustrates frustrates me as well. I'm going to know more about it uh, by the time we speak uh, again. Thank you, pal. Uh, How about that? What an interesting job. Who would have thought that that exists even? You ever give it even a moment's thought? But there's a guy who knows that stuff, is an expert at it, and can tell you anything you want to know about those uh, sprinkler heads. Which I was just thinking. I was looking at one the other day. I was like, there it is. I've never. It, I got to look online on YouTube or something like that. Hey, did we find that lawyer yet? All right, good. Keep make that happen. Thanks. Um, all right. So uh, we were talking. Oh, you have to understand this about the swamp. And I put this together as well too recently. You know what is the swamp? The swamp. Well, number one, Washington D.C. is a hot, muggy place most of the time. And the people who work there are not elected. Um, You've got how many millions of people in America? Uh, 300 million. How many uh, elected representatives do those 300 million people have at the federal level? Only 537. Isn't that amazing? That's a pretty small number when you think about it. 537. 435 in the House, 100 in the Senate, and you got two in the uh, White House, uh, vice and a president. So you can't uh, you can't run a government with only 535 people. Seven. You need all these other helpers, assistants, agencies, bureaus, this, that, and the other thing. We got like three, five, ten million people working. It's way too big. It's bloated, and those people have gotten egos bigger than the country. All right. They think they're in charge. Those 537 yahoos, they come and go. They think they're the experts. And actually, in a weird way, sometimes they have a point. I'm only trying to say it like this. And I I don't I don't like the swamp and the swamp works for us. And they got to get that through their heads. But I had this dream the other night. Let's well, what was that guy's name? We just called Andrew. He's in the he's in the uh, sprinkler business. Imagine if, for whatever reason, we had an election to determine who was going to be the CEO of the sprinkler company, and I ran and won that election. And here I am, I'm the boss of the sprinkler company, and I'm telling Andrew what to do about sprinklers. I have no clue. He's been doing it for a million years. He knows exactly what he's doing. I don't. So Andrew's going to obviously resent me, find me annoying, clueless, stupid, Uh, you know, why would he have to work for a guy like me at the sprinkler company. Well, that's very much the way it is in the swamp. They think they're so smart. They think they've got it down. Who the hell are is Trump to come in and tell us what to do? But what really gets them upset is that Trump is better at what they do than they are. He really is. You know, when Trump went to uh, North Korea, when he met with Kim Jong-un in Singapore and shook his hand, you know how apoplectic that made the uh, the swamp, the deep state? Oh, my God, we we have to have 10,000 meetings in, in six years. What, what, what is he doing? I'm just going to get him on the phone and talk to him. 
That's the way it should be, by the way. He is the leader, not you guys, not you people we've never heard of at the State Department, okay? And there's precedence for this, by the way. Plenty. They wanted you to think that Donald Trump was the craziest uh, guy and breaking all of our norms. Nixon did the very same thing. Great Nixon. He knew the deep state existed. Hell, the deep state almost canceled him. The deep state almost canceled Richard Nixon. Why? Because he went after one of their own. There was a guy named Alger Hiss, and he was um, he was like the uh, he was like the Adam Schiff slash uh, Peter Strzok slash Comey slash Brennan all built into one guy. All right, he was beloved by the swamp. Alger Hiss is a top guy at the State Department, not the Secretary of State. Had some other title. Went to all the right schools, Harvard this, Yale that. And um, he was, uh, anyway, beloved, celebrated. All of a sudden it turned out, wait a second, this guy's a spy. This guy's working with Russia. And there was a dumpy old guy named Whitaker Chambers who knew this for a fact. And he contacted Nixon and he said, yeah, this guy's guilty. And Nixon went with it. And anyway, uh, the swamp revolted. How dare you say that about beautiful Alger? I think I would have been suspicious just by that name, Alger. But anyway, um, it looked like Alger was going to beat the rap, but then they found uncontrovertible evidence that this guy was guilty, and ultimately Hiss went to jail, and they never forgave Nixon for doing that, for going up against the swamp and beating the swamp. They hate him to this day, actually. It's pretty wild. So uh, Alger Hiss, yeah. And, you know, for a brief time in the 90s, they tried to say that Alger Hiss was actually innocent. He wasn't. Uh, guilty as all out. And a New Yorker, by the way, uh, went to jail. I think they only went to jail for perjury. I mean, quite frankly, they could have electrocuted him if they got him for uh, espionage, but they never did. They never did. Uh-oh, Brooklyn's on the phone from Brooklyn. Hello, Brooklyn. Fake name, but that's okay. What's up? Good. Um, your guy said to make it quick, so I'm going to talk real fast. I know you <laughs> Take your time. I'm the boss here. Oh. We got plenty of time. It's a Friday afternoon. Let's shoot the breeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do. You don't treat your callers rude, okay? Yeah. Um, you said on your Newsmax show that you were you wanted to change your Trump quote from "All I can say is that the fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it." it. Yes, what I do. do. Yes. Okay. What are you going to change it to? Can I make a slight suggestion? Please. Do the one where he says, "Lisa, I love you." <laughs> that is a great idea. Lisa, Lisa, darling, I love you. Oh. I love you, Lisa. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna, I don't know. I, that's a good one. All right. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do something with that. Thank you. Thank you, Brooklyn. Great idea. Any more? I could use some. No, yeah. Can I make one other suggestion? Yes. You're also wanting to know some new music you could listen to. Can I? Suggest yeah. How do you know right? that? Wait a second. How do you know about my music thing? How did you? Well, I. How you, do you said it. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I don't you remember. You said it back in September. During 9-11, but I didn't want to call oh. to make any All right, so what's some good music I should listen to? Okay, I got two nice reggae artists that you can... Oh, I do not like reggae. Oh, you're going to love it, I right? doubt it. No, I doubt it. It all sounds you're like... To, I, 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 all right, what... Not, give it a shot. Uh, is it disco? You got any, you know, no, any, no, no, it's not disco. Uh, One is Alton Ellis. 
Yeah. Okay. And the other one is John Holt. John. You're going to love it, Greg. Why do I want to know how this guy's name is spelled? It's so... Uh, H-O-L-T, John Holt, and Alton Ellis. I don't... I can... I mean, no offense to Alton or John or you, Brooklyn, but I know I'm not going to like it. Just give it a shot and then... Okay, yikes. I don't want you to get upset at me. All right, no. Thank you, Brooklyn, (laughs) very much. I'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot when we come back. All right, find those guys. All right, be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Welcome back. In walks a very prestigious-looking gentleman. His name is Nelson, and he's an attorney. Nelson, welcome to the show. Do me a favor. Uh, uh, put those headphones on. You'll you'll All find right. them comfortable. Thank yeah, thank better. you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put them, put them on. And uh, forgive me for doing this, Nelson, but what's your last name? Happy. Like, happy birthday. No kidding. No Wait kidding. a second. Your name is Nelson Happy. Yeah, it is. And this is Happy New Year, so. Happy New Year, indeed. All right, forgive me, but um, no having a name like Happy, like how... I am guessing you have probably spent about 5% of your life talking about your last name. I have, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a Dutch name. It used to be H-A-P-P-E, but they pronounce it happy, so they changed the spelling to H-A-P-P-Y. Uh, well, that's beautiful. Yeah, and well, do you I like say I'm always happy, <laughs> no matter <laughs> what. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, where'd you go to law school? Columbia Law School, the in, Ivy League, in New York City, and it's one of the top law schools around. So, and what kind of law do you practice now? Well, uh, mostly, uh, I used to be dean of a law school. Which at, one? Uh, Regent University, and I used to teach law at Northwestern University. Damn! So, but today, I'm doing um, mergers and acquisitions and corporate type awesome work. But I have I have been a litigator for many years. All right. Well, we're and talk- now. I'm old, so I'd rather sit in my desk and fill out papers. Listen, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. You're not old, number one. Oh, thank I'm you. I'm guessing you're 67. Oh, my goodness. How flattering. 78. So here's the deal. We are living longer and we're treating ourselves better. Yeah. We don't smoke. Somebody told me that uh, Frank Sinatra came out with an album on his 50th birthday called The Autumn of My Life. Oh. And they did a big special about how old he was. Can you imagine that? I can't. Today, that just sounds like you're hardly wet behind the ears. And you're, you are. I think, you, I think Trump in a little bit, in a little, kind of has changed the game, you know? I, I think so. There's no question. And even the, the current president is the same. He's a year older than I am. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I don't know if he's changed the game because like, uh, nobody, nobody talked about Trump being old. No, but they, that's, that's all they, they do, do with talk Biden. about Biden being old. Well, but he is serving the role of president. And he's 78 or 9, so it... Well, he's in the role. Uh, we, uh, all right, so look. Mr. He has to get up and do stuff all day long, that's for sure. Yeah, he, they walk him over there, and they walk <laughs> him back, and uh, look, I'm not impressed, but I don't want to put you on the spot about that. I do want to ask you, though, about what's going on at the Supreme Court. So, uh, Boy, that's a big subject. Uh, are you up to it, though? Hey, I you, am. You, you, you were the dean of all those law schools. No, listen, I have my opinions about the Supreme Court. Overall, and when when I was a, a law school dean, I would invite these Supreme Court justices to come to the law school and spend a few days, and it was very interesting. I had uh, Scalia came for a three day visit, and I had to to take him to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, take him to faculty meetings, have him meet members of the bar, have him give speeches to the public, and I had to spend all my time with him. 
Oh, boy. And that sat, guy, he what, was a genius. Yeah. And he didn't suffer fools gladly. So people that made stupid remarks or asked dumb questions, he just cut to ribbons. But if you could ask him an intelligent question or a thoughtful question, then he would have a great dialogue with you, and it would be a great experience, particularly for a, a lawyer or somebody interested in policy. Uh, you're making me self-conscious now because I met him once, and I asked him a question. I, I was very curious, though. I said, I heard that you're a, the Supreme Court justices don't get their own car and driver, that they don't get it driven yeah, home. And I was shocked by that. I said, number one, is that true? And he said, well, it is to a point. Uh, when we're going from work function to work function, we have a car. Mm-hmm. But we don't have door to portal or something like that, which means – they can't be dropped off at home, and well, they can't I, be picked can, up at home. I can comment personally because yeah. uh, he invited me to come to his office in the Supreme Court, and he, he had a roaring fire in the fireplace. They have individual fireplaces were really lovely, and we had coffee and were chatting about what he would do when he came to talk at the law school. And he said, Mr. Happy, he said, would you like to have lunch? And I was thinking, oh, my God, the Supreme Court cafeteria, you know, this would be great. I'll be rubbing shoulders with all these other uh, high-powered justices. Yeah. But he said, no, he said, I- I'm going to take you to one of my favorite places for lunch. And he had an old rickety Toyota that he drove himself, and we went into a bad part of Washington. And he's driving. And he's driving. See, and so it's true, he didn't have a driver. It shouldn't and, be like that. And I think he had nine children, so he didn't have a ton of money for cars. Um, we go to this little hole-in-the-wall <laughs> Italian restaurant, and they have – there's a little room, which is his special Scalia room, for him to have lunch. And he said, do you like pizza? And I said, yeah, I love pizza. <laughs> and he said, well – what kind do you like? And I said, I like anything but anchovy. And he said, well, that's too bad because the anchovy pizza here is the best in the world. Wow. He said, Let, he said, let's order an anchovy pizza. And if you don't like it, I'll get you something else. And my gosh, it was out of this world. It was the best anchovy pizza I'd ever had. And he and I had a, a lovely time. We, we drank a couple of beers. We ate. At lunch? <laughs> At lunch. <laughs> now, I don't think he was. I know he wasn't going to be on the bench that day. All right. Well, good. But, That's awesome. And then, by the way, though, hey, be honest. Yeah. You had to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with him for three days. Yeah. Now, did that get to be a little bit awkward after a while? Horrible. It was a nightmare because I, I'm, I, you know, I think I'm a pretty good lawyer and I have a good legal education but he's one of the he was one of the smartest lawyers that ever lived so to suddenly have to engage him in conversation for three days on almost everything was on legal subjects you can imagine how demanding this was unfortunately we had other meetings with other lawyers that helped and faculty members and students but it was a huge burden i was so glad to take him to the plane and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shake his hand and thank him uh, for coming. Uh, and I had Justice Thomas, mm. who was a completely different person, so easy to get along with, so nice, so uh, forthcoming and helpful. They were just night and day people, both yeah. both challenging. And yeah. Justice Thomas is certainly no fool by any means, but he's nice. He's He wasn't like Scalia, who was basically just a scholar. Right. 
Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, wow. I was I was really fortunate to have that experience with them. So, well, you know, hey, I heard Justice Thomas myself on uh, he during arguments today. You know, he's asking more questions than yeah. he did. The pandemic uh, kind of uh, gave him some opportunity or loosened him up or whatever. So, look, what's going on? Let me lay out what little I know, and then I will shut up. But OSHA, which is yeah. a small regulatory agency is the vehicle through which Biden has decided to issue essentially a vaccine mandate, vaccine or get tested. Any company in the country, 100 employees or more, must vaccinate or test by this Monday. The appellate court ruled a couple of months ago that this was nonsense, and they stated, like, you know, OSHA is just a little government office. They don't have the Nobody ever imagined that they'd have this kind of authority. All right. Am I right so far? Well, yes. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, you tell us what's really going on. There are two courts of appeals that have ruled on this. The the fifth fifth and the ninth. And the sixth. Oh. Um, And it's – I'm pretty sure it's the sixth. Uh, I, I didn't read up before I came down All right. So no, 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 no. Take it away. So what do I need to – what do we need to know about this? Well – you raise a good point, and the the Fifth Circuit had some very arcane rules that they applied to this case that the Sixth Circuit completely rejected. But at the heart of it, OSHA goes back a long time, and when it was a brand-new legislation, it stands for the Occupational Safety and Health Act, and it was standards for things like what, how should a ladder be built? to be safe. Uh, what should scaffolding be like? When you come on a work site, what's safe scaffolding for a worker? Uh, what kind of protective gear should a worker have? Everything was kind of basic, but there were a lot of questions at the time whether the United States government has the right to regulate scaffolds in Manhattan, Kansas, and Manhattan, New York, because it doesn't really have much to do with the functioning of the federal government. All right. Wow. But So I get it. So they're doing all that stuff. That's really nitnoid, detailed stuff. And quite frankly, we need all that. We need yeah. those regulations. That's you don't why have our, any problem with that. Our buildings don't fall down. You ever notice in India that you're always reading about some uh, train coming off the tracks? So fine. That's all well and good. So what about the vaccine and the testing? I mean, that seems like it's a little, yeah. Well, see, it builds on this original whole, the only reason that OSHA exists was because courts ruled that the United States government did have the power to regulate workplaces and to regulate safety. And it's under a big area called the police power. And the police power was something that the early Supreme Court decisions in the United States set up that... For example, if you have um, uh, a business that puts up signs along the highway and the government passes a law, whether it's the federal government or a local town, that says there will be no more uh, billboards on this highway. Right. Now, you'd probably think that that would mean that the government would have to pay you because it's taking away your rights. It's exercising the right of eminent domain and taking away your rights. But no, the courts have said that there is inherent police power in the government to right. regulate things without paying. So who's going to win this thing? I think the, the, the Sixth Circuit decision is going to work in the Supreme Court. Oh, wait a second. The Sixth Circuit, is that Louisiana or is that somewhere else? It is. Oh, good. So Louis, 
Shoot. But it's five other states too. I mean, okay, that means that means that means that they're gonna they're gonna throw this ma- mandate out, right? It's gonna go to the Supreme Court next. Well, it is there right now. Well, it's an appeal from the Sixth Circuit. The Supreme Court hasn't ruled on it. The, the but Sixth they're thinking about it. That's what today was. Yeah, this is it's gonna hear the decision. They heard it. They heard it today. Well, uh, that I didn't realize that they had a hearing. Oh. That's Dean, a, Dean Happy. I didn't know. <laughs> well, I know the issue, but I no, didn't know that her court, court, court hasn't ruled on it. So. They haven't ruled on it, but they did hear the arguments a few hours ago, and that's when I heard Thomas and stuff like that. So, oh, uh, good. So they'd have to come up with what an emergency stay or something like that. I mean, this is pretty. They don't usually work this fast. Very unusual, and I think the decision of the Sixth Circuit was like December twenty second. So having it in less than a month, yeah, uh, is a very very unusual for the Supreme Court to rule that quickly. Right, but, but you have a, you have one of the basis for the Supreme Court's uh, jurisdiction is conflict between the circuits. So when you have the Fifth Circuit saying that it's invalid, the Sixth Circuit says it is valid, then that is the perfect trigger for the U.S. Supreme Court to yep. resolve the conflicts they, between the circuits. Got it. They come on in. and uh, Well, that is a fascinating uh, story about, uh, first of all, your, all your insights so appreciated. And what you said about Scalia and lunch and the pizza place and yeah. anchovies. and You get that with OSHA. What? You, you thought I was talking about OSHA <laughs> and I talk about pizzas. One, one other thing. Uh, when you were grading paper, I mean, you, before you were a dean, you were a professor. I was. What was the most common excuse you heard for not turning in a paper on time, and or I can't take the test on Friday? Uh, sick was the typically. Can the, you, is there a, could you tell if they were telling the truth? The, I made a rule that I didn't accept any of those reasons. So if they didn't show up for a paper or to, for an exam, they got an F. So it was wow. uh, not, no rules were ever uh, broken. Um, did you say that on day one in class? Like, did. if you don't did come, you show up or else. What no. if somebody like got hit by a car on the well, way? Well, that test? would be true. But to to eliminate the the constant problem, the dog ate my homework. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sick. I'm throwing up. I can't sit there. We would. Oh, I had a rule that they had to show up. I like it. I like it. it. I like it. Two more quick questions. Where, yeah. You went to Columbia Law. Where'd you go as an undergrad? I was uh, went to the University of Kansas and Syracuse University. Uh, and where'd you grow up? Lawrence, Kansas. That's why I went to the University of Kansas to start out. Wait a second. Is that where uh, Eisenhower's from? He's actually from Abilene, Kansas, okay. but it's the same state. Yeah. <laughs> I got that one. Uh, I feel like somebody famous is other than you from Lawrence. Who's from Lawrence? I know Lawrence is in the news sometimes. Why is Lawrence? Well, probably because the University of Kansas has a great basketball team and has been for okay. 100 years. Yeah. It's like the very earliest days of basketball started at the University of Kansas. So Professor Naismith taught there. All right. So the inventor of basketball is at KU. So that's the reason you hear about the University of Kansas. Okay. There Not we so go. much football, but sure. basketball. Well, Professor Nelson, happy. Thank you. Thank My you so much. To come. All right. To be continued. We'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. You know, just before uh, January 6th, I guess it was on January 5th, I was saying uh, out loud. No, it was on January 4th. Ever notice that the swamp and the media, they're only talking to the same four cops about January 6th? 
you know, those four Trump-hating crybabies, uh, Fanone, big, dumb Harry Dunn, that other guy, and uh, the one who doesn't speak English very well. Those four guys, all right? The crybabies, remember, they went up on Capitol Hill and uh, uh, they cried. But I got these guys. I caught them. That was all an act. They got coached up. They got lawyered up. And uh, before that all went down, oh, they were just talking about January 6th like it was a walk in the park. I mean, literally, these guys had a blast that day. Um, I'm going to play you a very interesting moment in just a second. But first, I got to point out, after I started saying that, hey, why is the fake news only talking to the same four cops? And I was hitting that for a while. Well, yesterday they broke out a couple more. Okay, they realized it wasn't looking good. I know they did that in direct result to my badgering of them because it was just so apparent. So they got some other guys trying to say the same stuff. In the meantime, this is uh, Metropolitan Police Department cop Hodges. Uh, this is on January uh, 12th, I think, okay, about a week or so after January 6th. And everything is A-OK. He had a blast. Listen, seriously, cut 46, please. If it wasn't my job, I would have done that for free. Yeah, it, was, it was absolutely my pleasure to crush a white nationalist insurrection. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm glad I was in a position to be able to help. So we'll do it as many times as it takes. Absolutely my pleasure to help. <laughs> Crushing a white insurrection mob, whatever he called it. Total lies, but here he is. Uh, that was uh, nine days after. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was nine days. That was January 15th. Now here he is seven months after. You heard him laughing, chuckling, yeah, well, bragging, yeah. Blah, blah. Here he is uh, in August. Cut 45, please. The mob of terrorists were coordinating their efforts now, shouting, heave, ho, as they synchronized, pushing their weight forward, crushing me further against the metal door frame. The man in front of me grabbed my baton that I still held in my hands, and in my current state, I was unable to retain my weapon. He bashed me in the head and face with it, rupturing my lip and adding additional injury to my skull rupturing his lip at this point i knew i couldn't sustain much more damage and remain upright okay and then he's laughing his ass off for seven months prior right after the incident and oh by the way no injuries none ruptured his lip fractured his skull he's standing there he looks totally fine i gotta put this back up on my uh well it's on my twitter right now you gotta scroll down a little bit at greg kelly usa so they broke out another cop last night with um, – who was that guy again I was telling you about? Terry Moran. And again, oh, the worst day in history, the worst day in history. And this cop is – I can tell they don't like Harry Dunn because Harry Dunn is always talking about race. Harry Dunn is always um, – well, here he is uh, lying about the N-word because this did not happen. No way. And he's actually backed off it. But back in the summer when all the cameras were on them – Harry Dunn, big, fat, dummy, Capitol Hill cop, uh, said this, cut 40. That prompted a torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This n- voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, f- No one had ever, ever called me a n- while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. And no one called him an N-word that day 
either. All right. There were recording devices all over the place. There were uh, body cameras. There were security cameras. There were phones. No one heard about this uh, before or since that day in the summer when he said he was called the N-word. He is a big, fat liar. All right. Trust me on this. All right. So Danielle is calling from New Jersey. I understand you find the political talk a little tedious. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Greg. Uh, thank you for uh, fighting for our country. I listen to you every day, watch you at night. You're fantastic. Thank you. Um, I just want but. to also thank you. for <laughs> You made a great movie recommendation on your radio show the other day, uh, the movie Coma with Michael Douglas. Ah, uh, yeah. And I watched it that night. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, yes. And that woman actress, I think she's French. Uh, I liked her a lot, too. Yeah, she had some type of an accent, but uh, it was it was a great movie. And um, I also want to give you uh, some information. I know that you're on a diet, like 90% of the world in the month of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as far as pizza goes, right. have you ever tried Blaze Pizza? Blaze as in with a Z? Right, B-L-A-Z-E. No. They have the best pizza that mm. I've ever had, and I mean, I've had a lot of pizza. But it, also, they make a cauliflower crust pizza. Ah, yeah, no, I've tried this Which, cauliflower cu- crust thing. It's a real thing. It really is kind of good. It works. I, yeah. Yeah, but, it sounds funky and weird, best. but it works. Yeah, theirs is the best, and it's plant-based, so you don't get the calories, you don't get the fat, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, I... um. I uh, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, Blaze Pizza. Where is that? Um. Well, they're in New Jersey. They're in New York. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm in New Jersey. I think you're you're in New York, aren't you? They. Yeah, I'll find it. Well, I'm not going to go yeah. to Blaze. Probably, I got to go somewhere here. But I mean, uh, yeah, you know, cauliflower crust. Uh, crust. Yeah. Thank you. Thank right. you, Dan. Oh, by yeah. the way, that uh, actress I was thinking about, Genevieve. Bujold is her name, and boy, oh boy, she was something in that movie. And she oh, was in. She was great. Yeah, yeah, hot stuff. Oh, remember great. when she escapes yeah. from the lab on top of the uh, ambulance? Oh. Was that? Oh, fantastic! Was that clever yeah, or what? Great movie. All right, Danielle. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, we're talking about the movie uh, Coma with Michael Douglas as well, another guy who's a great actor. And by the way, a nice guy. I have actually met him twice, and uh, I, th- I found him to be a real gentleman, really cool and interesting. All right, what's my status? I got to go. I'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Hey, you know, one thing about that movie, Coma, I was just thinking about, it came out in like 1977, something like that, in the 70s. You know what they had a lot of in the 70s in regular movies, like PG and R movies? Nudity. I mean, like nudity. And uh, I'm not complaining. I'm not endorsing. I'm, well, let's just say I'm not complaining. But you don't have that anymore. You have violence. You have over-the-top this and that. But there's hardly any nudity. Has anybody ever noticed that That lately? And I think one of the things is they're so freaked out about uh, everything in Hollywood and Me Too and, you know, that whole process. And how do you audition somebody for the nude part? You know, you got to look at them nude. And then all kinds of – I think it's gotten very complicated in Hollywood. But interesting that – as uh, we have gotten very casual with our mores and values and morals and all kinds of things, yet the movies have kind of in their own weird way cleaned up quite a bit. Although there's nothing inherently wrong with nudity. Like, what's her name? It's not like Geneva was, 
I think they had her in the shower. You know, she was just it was just a natural scene. She's getting out of the shower and you could see, you know, you could see her. You never see that in new movies. What is the new movie that I'm supposed to want to see? It's with Leonardo DiCaprio and the what's it called? Don't look up. That's what everybody's talking about right now. I quite frankly wasn't interested. Tyler Perry, for the most part, I don't like anything he does, but I really do like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He is good, and usually when he does something, it's 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 big. So, and I saw a little glimpse of his performance, and I'm like, geez, this is uh, this is powerful stuff. He is good at what he does, and I think one of his, the keys to his successor, you know what he does. Watch him with the sound off. He's always moving his face. I think I read this about him. Somehow, he was a big fan of silent movies as a kid, <clears throat> and those guys were using their faces like crazy because what else could you do? You, nobody could hear you, so they were like kind of they were emoting a lot with their face, and he does that, and whatever it works. Is that guy still? Uh, uh, what's his status anyway? Is he married? Is he? Uh, what's going on there? Uh, anyway, whatever's going on there, it's fine. Uh, none of my business. Although, uh, you know, look, everybody's a little bit curious about that stuff. I'm not the only one. All right, so it's almost time, uh, 7 o'clock tonight. We are going to uh, go hard on the election. We are going to also really try to get this new district attorney out of office. We'll go hard on the fake news. Ah, here's something real quick. Lester Holt last night, again, he's done this about seven times. He talks about the bomb planted at the DNC, the Democrat National Committee headquarters on January 6th, right? A bomb was planted at the Democratic National Committee, the Democratic headquarters. They wanted to bomb it. He never mentions that the same guy, the same bomber, also planted a bomb at the Republican National Committee. Why would they leave that out? (laughs) Well, they want you to think that it was a Republican or a Trump supporter who did this. No, it was just an all-around maniac. Why do they do that all the time? Hmm? Why do they highlight uh, wackos from the right, but never wackos from the left? Like the guy who opened fire at that baseball field in Virginia a few years ago, shot Congressman Scalise and a bunch of other guys. He was a uh, crazy Bernie Sanders supporter. Now, I'm a reasonable person. I'm not going to blame Bernie Sanders for that. I don't care what Bernie Sanders said. He didn't tell that guy to pick up a gun and do anything like that. But that's what the that's what the left does to us. All right? They blame us for that kind of crap. As a matter of fact, I mean, at high levels, too. You know that idiot Congressman Swalwell? What's his name? Swalwell? Swal- you know that homecoming king-looking guy from uh, California? So... Somebody said to him online, and I actually, believe it or not, I don't have a problem with this, all right? Well, maybe I should take that back. Hmm, how do I put this? Well, let's go back. Swalwell dated Fang Fang, and Fang Fang is a uh, Chinese spy. And the idea that some people have is that maybe inadvertently or whatever, uh, Swalwell gave gave uh, information to Fang Fang on purpose, by accident, whatever. I mean, one could have that concern. And that would conceivably, possibly make him a uh, spy or complicit with a spy or, you know, 
And the penalties for that can be rather severe. Anyway, there's a difference. There's a difference in saying, I don't want anybody harmed. All right. I want to be that make that clear. And some guy contacted this guy via what the hell is that app again? Instagram and said, I think you're a jerk and I think this and that and that and that. Anyway, Swalwell outed the guy, put his name online, and uh now he says that this man was radicalized by Tucker Carlson. All right. He was radical. The guy didn't say anything that extreme, but he said he was radicalized by Tucker Carlson. Ergo, i.e., Tucker should be somehow removed or censored. That's where the left goes. And that is dangerous and un-American, saying that, you know, it would be like me saying, well, Bernie Sanders obviously said something to encourage this guy. No, he didn't. The guy's crazy. All right. I hope that made sense. Pardon me. Agnes in New Jersey. I just. I've been thinking about Ashley Babbitt and her family. And, um, you know, she actually is a martyr for our country. Just as you speak out and you're persistent in your conviction. Well, I've been looking at those videos and I saw her family last night on your program at night. And she's just as um, Agnes was a martyr for her religion. Ashley Babbitt will become a martyr for the United States. Oh, Agnes, you sound choked up. I I, I agree with you. I, I, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Oh, no, no, I hear you loud and clear. I don't think Ashley Babbitt did anything wrong. And I think Ashley no, Babbitt, I think the record. A very, a very brave soldier and a very brave person. Well, the record will one day be corrected, and she will receive the honors that she deserves, especially from the U.S. military. Agnes, thank you. Have faith. Uh, Mark in Manhattan. Sir, hello. Um, I have a different view of almost everyone in the world on everything, but I happen to think that the top Democrats are playing the rank-and-file Democrats for suckers. They are pretending that they're trying to oppose Trump, whereas what they're really doing is manipulating Trump into the limelight because he's the only one who can cover up accidentally all the sins of the Biden administration. He's uh, an image that maybe is not deserved, but he's the type of thing that can draw attention away from the inflation, from the slaughters of our people in Afghanistan, of the gasoline prices, and that's why they keep pushing it in order to push Trump as a defensive mechanism for Biden. He, they know that he's the only one that Biden or whoever succeeds Biden in 24 could possibly beat. He, they may not beat him, but he's the only one that they have a chance to because he is a little polarizing, to say the least. You mean, all right, wait, just, they want they want they're manipulating it. So the attention's on Trump because they want Trump to run because they think they can beat him. Right. A, they can beat him, and B, they can uh, get attention away from what is actually happening, and they're succeeding. Well, the attention look, thing— Even you and I are talking no, no, about— No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, the the attention thing, that's that's on us, all right? No one's going to be focused on the same thing for more than 30 seconds anyway. That's the way our brains work. Thanks a lot. Smartphones, all that stuff. I don't, I don't blame that. I don't think that that's actually happening to take our attention— you might be onto something, though, with they want to run against Trump again. I don't think they think they can beat him, but here's what I do think. I think they think they'll be entitled to steal the thing all over again. They'll have the moral imperative, uh, and a lot of Republicans will go along with it. That's uh, that's uh, that's my take. Thank you, Mark. All right, one more. Um, uh, 
Uh, Barbara in Long Island. Yes, hi. Yes, hi. You were talking about the entitled swamp bureaucrats. Two years ago, my group was attacked. We were harassed and then physically attacked by some of those swamp bureaucrats who are also hate-filled bullies. We were at a mega event for by Women for Trump in the Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C. And when the people at a wedding next door, who happened to be DNC people, when the people at the wedding found out that we were pro-Trump, they started harassing us in the hallways, in the restrooms. They started coming in and disrupting our event. And when the event was over and we were trying to leave, they wouldn't let us get on the elevators. One of the few men there tried to help us. Jonathan Gilliam, Jonathan Gilliam tried to get some of the women up a, met up a staircase nearby. They attacked him. They grabbed him by his necktie, choked him. Oh, my gosh. I know that Jonathan Gilliam, though. He's a tough guy. Uh, Barbara, thank you. Sorry that happened. I'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.